And it happened so quickly, but it also happened incredibly slowly. So as my foot's dragging, I was like, that hurts. I need, I need this to stop. So I put my knee on the ground to get my foot the fuck off the ground. Right. So then my knee starts going down, and I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. That also hurts a lot. So I went down on my elbow, and I got scrapes up my arm, too. It was just terribly embarrassing, terribly painful. It was just, oh, my God. All because I didn't put the strap on my shoe. Episode 17 <laughs> of Talkbots. 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 Beep, boop, boop, beep, doop, boop, doop. So, uh... Boy, oh, I never thought we'd ever do this topic, to be honest. Kissing Cousins, is it okay? No, yeah, man. No, I'm joking. It's not that. There was a study that came out this week that said that having a child with your first cousin has scientifically been deemed okay. It's a cultural problem still, mm -hmm. but scientifically and genetically, it's not a big deal. Interesting. I thought that was very interesting. So, on the same topic, first cousins, watch out because I'm coming, literally. On the same topic, <laughs> watch out. <clears throat> on the same topic. Um. I got into a science fiction author by the name of Robert A. Heinlein. Okay. And a premise of a book whose common theme Peter found its way into other uh, stories that he told was the idea that in this kind of alternate reality, scientists and geneticists accidentally discovered that, in fact, the key to longevity was strengthening the DNA strain of the family by interbreeding. Mm. That it, in fact, did not create... Um, it could create anomalies, but more often than not, it actually made... Uh, the, the gene pool stronger. Dude sounds like he's going to start Scientology too. And it led to people dramatically living much, much longer lives in a very few generations. So the discovery in the timeline of this book story maybe started around the turn of the uh, 20th century and then by the year like 2050 or whatever, 2100, there were certain people who were the descendants of this experiment that were living 250, 300 years. Um, That's a weird book. It is. It is. Um, and the character's name is Lazarus Long. But anyway. It's totally a porno book. It's a weird one. No, uh, this uh, episode is about um, spirituality. <laughs> what a weird thing. I know, right? We'll see where this goes. Yeah, who knows? Um, this might be a scrap episode. Who knows? Well, this is know. a weird one. I don't know. Do you want to go first? No, not really. Not really? Not for any particular reason. Just okay. Yeah, like I said, my, my journey 
when it came to religion and spirituality, it was kind of weird. My birth mother died within a week of me being born, so I never knew my birth mother. Hmm. My dad's parents raised me until he found a new wife and married her three years later. Mm -hmm. And they were Catholic, and I think they wanted us to be Catholic too, but we were not. Sorry, your grandparents were Catholic? That's or... right. Okay. Yep. Mm -hmm. And I was baptized Catholic. Mm -hmm. When my dad finally did remarry, and the three of us moved out from my grandparents' place in Montreal, um, at first we weren't going to church, and I don't... I'd have to talk to my mom again to find out why we even started going, but we ended up going to United, uh, uh, I was going to say a branch of the United Church, <laughs> like a bank branch. But yeah, no, we went to the United Church in our community that I was growing up in. And in the beginning, I remember we were going all the time, and then we weren't going all the time and then we didn't go at all so all the time being weekly every, or multiple yeah, weekly, times a week weekly okay yeah every sunday okay. we would go to church and i would go to sunday school when mm -hmm. i was in the age group of going to sunday school right and um it was interesting because i can remember vaguely that even while i was going to sunday school i didn't quite believe what they were telling me. It didn't make sense. So I asked a lot of questions. They didn't like that. Because even the answers they were giving me, they thought would, you know, assuage my question or my curiosity, and it didn't. It does the opposite. It did the exact opposite. Yeah. So anyway, like I said, it was an interesting experience. Uh, it, was a, it was a part of our life and then it was only a part-time part of our lives, and then it suddenly stopped. And I, again, I'd have to ask my mother, why did it stop? But I, somehow in the back of my mind, my intuition tells me that something bad happened, and it resulted in us not wanting to go back to church anymore. And I don't know if it's because someone in our family did something embarrassing mm -hmm. and we couldn't face the congregation anymore but i think it was something like that Man, that's significant i would have to know that answer me too yeah. but at the same time i think maybe i'm blocking it so i don't know interesting yeah but so how old were you at that transition nine so you went to church every sunday yeah for six years Five or six, yeah, I would say so. And then we just stopped. Those are wild years to go to, to go to church. Yeah. Foundational. Right. Interesting. So, I actually didn't mind not going to church anymore because A, never liked it in the first place. B, Sunday school seemed like BS to me. C, it was boring as hell. Mm-hmm. D, I couldn't identify with what was going on. And it just, you know, that, that much more of, of the week was freed up for other things. So, you know, win-win. Then my dad had an affair with someone in the next town. Mm -hmm. 
that may actually have been part of why we stopped going to church. Again, I don't know for sure, but they must, there must be some relation there. It was during the time that he was away that my mother found, or they found her, the Jehovah's Witnesses found her mm -hmm. and convinced her to start going to their church. And we went along, not because we wanted to, because that's what you do. Mm -hmm. When your mom goes to church, you go too. Yeah. Especially if there's no dad around. Yeah, you're fucking nine. That's what you do. Yeah. Um, and I would have been a bit older than that. Okay. I might have been more like 12 or 13 at this point now. Okay. Uh, maybe even older. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, definitely a teenager. And I'm taking it all in because this is interesting. And I don't know if you know anything at all about the Jehovah's Witnesses, but they are quite a unique organization. Sect. <laughs> Call it what you will. Yeah, right. Okay? Yeah. They believe, uh, for example, that there are only so many spaces in heaven, and if you're not, if you don't meet the grade, you're not going to have one of those spaces, which I found really odd that a religion would actually pit members against each other in a competition to try to get into one of those limited spaces. They did not believe in premarital sex. They did not believe in alcohol, drunkenness. They did not believe in drugs. They uh, felt that uh, blood transfusions were bad. They were taking the Bible quite literally. And if memory serves correctly, their Bible wasn't the King James Bible. They had no. a very special Bible of their own. Right. Yeah. The, they, they took it, they, they took Christianity and pumped it in with steroids. And there was no wiggle room for variations from their rules. And that's what really kind of struck me, was that among the congregation, they seemed like wonderful people. They were decent. They seemed kind. They seemed happy. Mm -hmm. But then when you stepped back and looked at them as an organism, they were, an, they were like a virus. In every way you can imagine a virus operating. They were only interested in making more of themselves. And the only way you do that as a Jehovah's Witness is you go door to door and you hand out Watchtower magazines and you try to be invited in so that you can talk to them about the fact that their religion is wrong. Jehovah's Witness, the, their way, is, is the only real way. And all of our writings and everything will prove it to you. But the thing that I witnessed being surrounded by the congregation that really threw me was how they were willing to completely ostracize members of the family that didn't toe the line. So I had a friend from school by the name of Anita, and her family basically disowned her for being a typical, but maybe uh, edging toward the, you know, 
uh, slightly less than perfect, decent example of a teenager, they completely disowned her to the point where they threw her out of the house and didn't want any contact with her whatsoever. Wild. And that not only affected me, it affected my siblings as well. And as they were growing into teenagers, they were constantly questioning my mother. Like, How could you associate with a group of people who would do that? And, and much to our surprise, she actually saw the light through that um, this episode. Wo- this woman has seen a lot of lights. <laughs> um, but it made her question Good. the church, right? which was probably the best thing uh, to happen to her. What happened to Anita? Uh, she grew up to be a normal human being, a normal adult, just without any support from her family whatsoever. Yeah, normal. She was a single parent, quite young. Fuck. Uh, which again, uh, the parents would have just gone absolutely hate shit over yeah. because yeah. no sex before marriage. Right. And here was their daughter having a baby out of wedlock. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and thankfully, uh, my mother finally uh, saw enough uh, that uh, she started to confront members of the congregation that she uh, trusted and felt close to and said, how, how can you guys be so hypocritical you consider yourselves to be you know uh model christians but then you turn around and treat uh people that don't um subscribe to your way of thinking like aliens um and when they couldn't give her a good answer as to why that was necessary she left um that uh, brush with ridiculousness lasted maybe four years, five years. Um, and still, then... Still a long time, especially yeah. as a teenager. Yeah. And then she she never gave up religion entirely. She ended up going back to uh, the United Church, I think, or, you know, a, a typical oh, Christian sure. church mm-hmm. in town. And I think part of the reason why she ended up going back to it is because we had, and I think I've mentioned this before, um, we had um, a facility in town, which was amazing, uh, called the Emergency Center. And what it was, was basically a community-run ghetto value village just not run by a corporation, run by church ladies who took donations from people throughout the community and stockpiled those donations for families in need. And nine times out of 10, the families would get stuff from the emergency center without even asking for it because the town was so small and so closely knit that everybody knew who needed help and they basically went, okay, so next on our list would be this family because they got nothing. They're not going to have a Christmas and blah, 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 blah. Right. So, uh, you know, because these were the kind of Christians you want to hang out with, she, she started working at the emergency center, volunteering her time, um, which is 
ironic because she was one of the families that needed the help along with others, which just goes to show you how selfless that she is. Um, and then, yeah, because they all went to the same church, she basically joined them there because... But that was it for me. I had no interest in reestablishing any kind of religious tradition of any kind and uh, sort of went with that for a while, quite a while, till I met Darlene. And then something kind of bizarre happened. And that's a whole story unto itself. But we'll get to that story later. I want to circle back over to you and give you a chance to... In the, the Jehovah Witness Church, uh, how frequently do they go to church? Every week. Just weekly as yeah. well? You could probably ramp that up. But... And I mean, they had other activities sure, sure, as it, well. It's still Sunday. But their mass was on Sunday. Gotcha. Yeah. Mine, my experience with religion as a child was nearly non-existent. Hmm. So my parents were together until I was about eight. Mm -hmm. And my father wasn't religious. Right. And my mother, I guess, grew up... Uh, she was, yeah, but not like uh, deep into it, right? But anyway, so we didn't go to church, mm -hmm. and then they got a divorce, and my my mom got together uh, with my my stepdad, and he she I believe at that time wanted to try it out again, religion again. Hmm. And we were, I was eight, my sisters were six, and they were just like, I was just like, what the, what is this mm -hmm. shit? Mm -hmm. Like, what are you fucking with my weekend mm -hmm. for? We opposed it for uh, quite some time, mm -hmm. and my stepdad did not side with my mom. He didn't side with us either, because he was a smart man, but he didn't. He didn't say, we have to go. Mm -hmm. And then I believe it was Easter. I think it was some holiday. And my mom was like, that's it. Fuck it. We're going. We're going to church. Mm. So we went. We went once. And I was shuffled downstairs to Sunday school. And just... I don't have vivid memories of it. Mm -hmm. But there's like screenshots in my brain. And I'm just... And the feeling mm -hmm. of going... What is this? Mm -hmm. Like, what are we? What are we doing? Mm -hmm. And I, I didn't have the thoughts that this is bullshit, or I didn't believe them, or anything. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not going to try and pass that off because I was young and I didn't, I didn't even understand what they were talking about. Right. Like, I had no context. Right. At all. So then Sunday school is over, and you go upstairs, and then the sermon or whatever the hell is then begins. I guess. Or the service or whatever. And I was... It was a church where everybody says good morning to each other. Hmm. And they turn around and shake everybody's hand oh, and say, yeah. how you doing? And I was just like, what the fuck is this? This is the weirdest... Place. Stupidest thing mm -hmm. I've ever seen. People are acting weird. So 
weird. Yeah. Like and like like core memory. Yeah. And core emotional response mm-hmm. to this. And on the drive home, myself, my sisters, and my stepdad were just ripping into it, tearing it apart. And because I guess my stepdad had been an altar boy and he was made to go to church from mm. a very young until whatever age. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he hated it. Right. Hated it. Right. Disagreed with it and mm-hmm. all that jazz. Anyway. So. What all of a sudden made your mom want to go to church? I don't, blue? I don't know why. I think she just... Maybe she missed it. Okay. Felt she needed something in her life and didn't quite know what it was, so let's see if it's this. Yeah, or maybe it's it's speculative, mm-hmm. but maybe it was just the feelings of w- what it was when she was younger, the right. community, the blah. Right. Because that's why I find um, that a lot of people stay at, in the church is because it's their social circle. Yes. Right? Yeah. And we didn't have one. We had family was our social circle. Right. And that was it. There weren't friends. Right. So maybe she wanted that or... Mm -hmm. I don't know. Well, and especially if everybody's in the habit of like shaking hands and saying hi to each other, that kind of elevates your social status very quickly. Sure, yeah. To complete strangers. Right. It makes you very visible very Mm -hmm. quickly. So... So... We never went again, hmm? but I did because I had a friend who I stayed at his house, mm-hmm. at his dad's place, mm-hmm. weekend dad kind of thing, mm-hmm. and his dad was quite religious, and he was, I think he was a part of it, but I don't know what role he played, mm-hmm. uh, but I stayed over them there a Saturday night, and... I was informed that we were going to church in the morning. And I remember feeling, had I had this information, I wouldn't have stayed over. (laughs) And I had to be probably 10. Right. But I knew, not from any, again, not because I thought it was bullshit or whatever. It was just, this is fucking bullshit. This is fucking weird and Mm. uncomfortable. Yeah. And I don't like it. Yeah. And anyway... I, we had to go. And again, the Sunday school thing. And I was just... I was Different church? Totally different okay. church. Totally but different. same experience. Same experience. And I just... <clears throat> again, I was 10, so I don't really have hard memories of it because it, it was just so... But the it obsession with the... reinforced your original feelings about yeah. it. Yeah, the weirdness of it. Yeah. The obsession with lambs really fucked me up. Like, it was really fucking weird. And then, up again, upstairs, the whole handshake thing happened again. Oh, wow. And I was like, this is fucked. <laughs> and, and I feel that this is the case, but it may not be. But I feel that that was a factor in our friendship not lasting because I was it it was really fucking weird it was upsetting did you ever confront him about no I was too young because I like confront I don't know we probably talked about it and he probably thought it was bullshit too he was a fucking 10 year old boy but it 
he's this father's son. What's right. he going to do? And and it's weekend dad. Yeah. Weekday mom didn't go to church. Mm-hmm. It was also the most attractive woman that ever existed. <laughs> Holy Christ. <laughs> Woo. Anyway, that was it. I, through my teenage years, really big into music mm-hmm. and which music that was like the antithesis of religion. Mm-hmm. Right? And so I, um, from an uninformed perspective, because everybody did, you just shat all over Christianity and mm-hmm. Christians are idiots mm-hmm. and blah, 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 blah. But I did it because everybody right. said that it was the case. With these memories of, your church is fucking bizarre. Right. And I can't argue that. It truly is. Yeah, it's weird. For sure. And I never had a relationship with somebody, uh, romantic or platonic, that went to church because I just, I couldn't understand it. Mm -hmm. But the first person that um, I think, maybe not the first, but certainly the most profound person, um, that religion was a big part of their life is my wife. Mm -hmm. A big, big part of her life. Hmm. And when we... When we met, which was about 10 years or so ago, I was at least in a position to be uh, a little more informed of the stupidity that is organized religion. Mm -hmm. So I toss shit at her all the time. And it's interesting because she gets quite upset. Mm -hmm. And it's like, cool. So I've I've chilled on it because... Mm -hmm. You don't want to piss her off. Not any more than I enjoy it too. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and it's a sport, but it's a dangerous sport, lad. <laughs> That's true, it is. It was non-existent. My mom tried to take us again, and we all just like, no. <laughs> and she... Tried to take you again while you were an adult. No, oh. still as a kid. Like, oh, okay. There wasn't there was a further attempt, and mm-hmm. we all said, no. Forget it. And, Not happening. Pass. Right, and then, and then it just, I don't think it... I don't think it ever, ever came up again from her. Right. She wasn't push. She never pushed. Yeah, she never pushed uh, having to go. We didn't have to. There was no saying grace. That was also another thing that really weirds me out. Is the weirded me out as a kid, is the rituals. Mm-hmm. To it all, because I grew up without any, and when you get involved in any. Mm-hmm. When there are none, mm-hmm. they're so bizarre, and a little upsetting, admittedly. Like grace was always something that upset me, because it's just like, it's weird. Mm-hmm. You, all of you people are fucking bizarre. Yeah, you're yeah. all heads are down talking to, talking to nothing. Yeah, thanking them for going to Safeway. What the fuck is going on? Yeah. The thing that, the thing that, um, I, I had a hard time understanding how I honestly felt about religion and about God and all of that stuff, because all of my experiences were, um, the common threads seemed to be contradiction and hypocrisy. Mm-hmm. Everything I heard 
read, saw, was told, and, and then saw them do as Christians didn't make sense to me. The rules of what happens to you didn't make sense to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it didn't make sense to me that nobody could give me an honest answer as to how do you know for sure if you're going to go to heaven or not? Well, you have to, you have, well, generally you have to be good. Okay, so if I'm good, I'm going to heaven. Well, not necessarily. You have to, you know, there's something else you have to do. You know, you have to take Jesus into your heart or or however the religion of the day uh, words that extra step that you have to take in order to pass muster. And it never made sense to me because then I started noticing, well, how how come that religion says this is the key to get in? But that one says that's the key to get in. And another one is like, no, 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 none of you are getting in except, you know, unless you achieve this even higher level. Like how how can you all be right? Yeah, that was the one that got me. How can you all be right? And then, you know, only to find out, oh, what? There's more than just Christianity? Oh, God. There's, you know, Judaism and uh, Islam and, uh, you know, Hinduism and and everything else. And I was just like, oh, my God. Like, okay, okay, hang on a second. So, you know, if you had come up to me when I was like, say, 24 years old and said, so, Carl, do you believe in God? I probably wouldn't have hesitated to say, eh, no. Because I had never been inspired or convinced one way or the other that any of these people knew what the hell they were talking about. Um, And in fact, I had more or less concluded that people were using, people who were religious, were religious because they needed religion as some kind of a crutch. And when people ask me, so could you expand on that? I'd be like, well, yeah. It seems like whenever you ask someone, why did this have to happen? They never look at the real root cause. They just go, oh, it was God's plan. And I'm thinking, what? So, like, what about our plans? Our plans don't matter? And that's a cop-out if I've ever heard one. So if anything ever happens and you can't explain it or don't feel like explaining it, it's God's plan. Right. And I just did not buy that for one microsecond. Yeah, that was, that was the same way. Like, that's so, too, it's too easy. It's just too easy. Like, what? It basically means that nothing we do matters. Right. That's what I got from that logic. And, um, and, you know, like I need to tell you, the minute you start challenging a person's belief system, well, that's it. It's like, fucking get away from me because the last thing a religious person wants to do is patch up the holes in their belief system. Right. When you find them, when you expose them. But, you know, I didn't, I wasn't a, a zealot. I didn't go around, you know, finding religious people and making fun of them or anything. I just, like you, uh, tended to shy away from people who were blatantly religious because I could not identify with them whatsoever. Right. So I met Darlene. Darlene was the same. She 
felt the same way about religion that I did. But she was also curious. How, how does it all really work? Is there really nothing outside of our own consciousness? Does our life on earth really not matter? We're just, we're born, we live, hopefully a good life, uh, and then we die and that's the end of it? Is, or is there really something more? And, um, but you know, didn't really have any answers. Um, and certainly wasn't getting them from any traditional religion. Um, and then um, something kind of uh, interesting happened. Her brother, who's a bit older than her, said, have you ever read the book The Nature of Personal Reality by Jane Roberts? And uh, she said, no. Is it any good? And he goes, you've got to read this book. And she goes, well, what's it about? And he goes, I'm not going to spoil it for you. Just read the damn book. And she goes, well, where do I get it? And he goes, don't even worry about it. I'm going to mail it to you. Just read the damn book and then call me when you're done. So she read the book and um, she was very moved by it. And then she read it again. And then she called her brother and said, holy fuck. And he goes, right? And he goes, now there's more. There are more books written by this same author you should probably check those out too and, and see what you think. And um, then she started uh, telling me about what the books were about. She would have me read passages. She would read passages to me. And it piqued my interest because it was kind of an interesting concept that I had never heard of before. Um, and I was, and I was, even though I was intrigued, and even though I was interested, I was also quite skeptical, but I could sense something in what she was telling me that I kept hearing myself saying, well, that makes sense. Yeah, that seems reasonable. Yeah, that makes sense. So without getting too deep into it, what it was about was Jane Roberts was part of a circle of people in New York State, Upper New York State, who she had the power to commune with an entity. She channeled a spirit. Okay. And the spirit's name was Seth. Okay. And Seth was trying to explain to them the nature of reality. Right. And he was trying to explain to them, listen, when you're, when you're operating at the plane of existence that I'm at, because I used to be human like you, mm -hmm. but now I've learned enough lessons in my various lives that I've risen to a, you know, like a higher existence in a manner similar to what you might hear a Buddhist describe in Buddhism. Right. And he said that uh, he felt it necessary to try to explain how the universe works to people so that they would be better prepared to understand, you know, what things you should be worrying about, and what things you shouldn't be worrying about. And that, you know, in certain respects, your traditions and your belief systems are kind of on the right path. But in other respects, they're completely out to lunch and you guys are sort of believing in the wrong stuff and you're getting trapped in your own 
um, your own bullshit. But he basically said, try to look at it this way. There is no God who is a person. God is the accumulation of everyone's spirit and personality all rolled into one. Every human being who has ever existed is like a filament or a thread of that entity, for lack of a better word. And this entity created everything. So while they said your Bible talks about how the world was created in a way that doesn't even make sense to the average human being, there are elements of truth in it, but it's way too simplistic and it's been twisted to work as a fable lesson to keep people in line. It's no longer representative of how the world actually works. And this entity basically said, you got to kind of look at it like this. You create your own reality. It's a hard thing to fathom. It's a hard thing to believe, but you can literally prove it to yourself because everything you believe in essence comes into existence and human beings just can't relate to that statement because they don't believe they have any power, which is why it's easy to push it off onto a God that's someone or something else because it absolves them of any responsibility and it absolves them of any sense of power, of direction, control. And he said, that's the wrong attitude to take. And then it just kind of like continues from there. Uh, starts to describe how um, even though we have the power to do things through our own beliefs and our own um, understanding of how the universe works, it's even more powerful when a bunch of people think the same things together. In other words, the mob mentality actually has a tremendous amount of power. Yeah, and I won't go any deeper into it than that because if you think that's kind of hard to understand or hard to believe, it gets even more bizarre the deeper you get into it or the deeper it's explained. But the thing that intrigued me about it even though I wasn't sure whether I believed it or not, is that it gave, it gave the, the individual the power to accept responsibility for the things that happen in their mm -hmm. lives. It also preaches very, very strongly the power of intuition, that when you are going with the flow when you are not fighting against the way your life has kind of constructed the path for itself to go, to learn the lessons and experience the experiences that you have planned for yourself while you're here this time around. You're going to fight it. You're going to suffer for the fighting. If you just go with the flow, things will be much milder, gentler, easier. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. The minute you start fighting things, the minute you start ignoring your intuition, your gut feeling, 
about what you should do next, that's when things start going wrong. Right. And the reason why that rung or why that statement connected with me is because prior to being told any of this, I had always gone around telling people, you know, I can't believe how lucky I am. And they'd be like, well, what do you mean? And I'd be like, well, when I, when I finished high school, the rational part of my brain said, you know, you really should continue school. But in my heart, I knew that wasn't my path. And if I hadn't followed that intuition, I would never have joined the military. And if when I was standing there having to pledge allegiance to the queen at the recruiting center, there would literally be the, the, the flip over from being a civilian to being a military person awaiting training. If when my buddy didn't show up at that thing, I backed out like a chicken shit instead of just going, all right, we're doing this. I wouldn't have gone through with it and my life would have forever changed. And there were just all of these occurrences, situations, and decisions where I started to recognize that every time I just followed my gut, things just fucking miraculously worked out. Did I have a bad situation? Yeah. Did it, was there friction? Yes. But there would have been more friction had I fought the current had I not gone with my gut, had I not followed my instincts. And then here's this fucking guy who's coming through to this human being, you know, as a spirit, saying, you have to trust your instinct. You have to follow your intuition. That's kind of like all of the other elements of your spirituality that aren't physical, trying to sort of feed you information to follow. Okay. And um, it just, I thought, Jesus, even if this is total bullshit, which it still could be, it just made so much sense. Even if all of it is bullshit, like Seth is bullshit, yeah. which, listening to it, of course, um, but that's, that isn't bullshit. The following you in, your intuition. No. It's not bullshit. That no. is true. Right. Right. Like, uh, so. But why is that? You know, is the bigger question. I guess. How is your intuition so fucking smart? Where yeah. is that information coming from? Right. And of course, this is what he tries to explain. That there's really a lot more going on than we can perceive, and we just have to trust it. Sure. Which is the ultimate thing. Yeah, and I guess for me, because I, I, I have felt the same way as well, in the sense of feeling lucky and uh, just making my way through listening to my gut and stuff like that. But I've never asked, why does that work? Right. I'm just like... You don't care. It does. Right. Like, it just is. Who needs to know why? Because I have just accepted the fact that I'm not going to know why. I don't have... We, as a society, don't have the means to articulate why or understand why or... My exp exploration into reading that book or finding God... It's God's will. Right. Exactly. Are going to be unsatisfactory. So, it just is. Mm -hmm. It just is. 
It's one of those things that just is. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you need to know why, I get it. I get why some people need to yes. understand why. Yeah. And I don't need to. Right. Uh, everything I know about that spirituality, mm -hmm. for lack of a better word, that belief system, because mm -hmm. it's not really a religion. Um, it's just a... An, it is a belief system. Sure. It is a belief system. Yeah. That's it. Um, and uh, it seems to make a lot more sense than a lot of other belief systems that people sure. rely on to sure. get through life. And, and that's one of the things that I kind of had to kind of remind myself is that, um, you know, maybe stop judging people who feel that they need to be Christians or Muslims or Hindus or Buddhists or whatever the case may be and understand that we all need to be whatever it is that we are to get through life and it's not our place to criticize that because, you know, sometimes that's what people need to get by. Mm -hmm. um, and that uh, I finally realized that after watching so many people do their thing, uh, both in my life and in other people's lives and, and celebrities and people of note, and intelligent people, and heartful people. My religion now, if you want to call it that, the thing that I believe is more important um, now than anything else is kindness. I think if there was one thing that humanity would benefit from to focus all of their energies on mm -hmm. above and beyond everything else it would be kindness in all ways right to all people yeah period the, the word i use is not kindness it's love which yeah. is the same thing same thing but it, the mantra yes is, absolutely it's love but yeah no i agree i agree so so yeah so it's like when people you know ask me are you religious i say wouldn't call it religious Spiritual, yes, but it's a brand of spirituality that I don't think many people would identify with. Um, but then I love, because I know the question is coming, well, the, well, what do you believe in? And I say, I believe, in, I believe in love, I believe in kindness, that that's what matters above everything else. Mm -hmm. And boy, oh, I'll tell you, if you want to shut down a conversation about arguing about religion in five seconds flat, that answer, you just can't argue against it. Right. You just can't. Right. Who's going to attack you on that? Right. <laughs> they just can't. So, yeah. So that's kind of been my journey. And, uh, you know, that's not to suggest that I'm a perfect being because hmm, I do not practice love on a daily basis. Oh, no. <laughs> but I try. My, I don't know what to call it because I don't like to call it anything. Mm -hmm. I guess what I believe just a world I view. Guess, no, it's not. No, it's not a world view. Okay, it's much larger than that. Rules for My, life. No, yeah. they're not rules of life. They okay. just. It's just what I believe is. Right. They're not rules. They're not even the 
even the um, the statement of love. Mm-hmm. It's not a belief system. It's not. No. It's not a, 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 a tenant of some structure that I have. I just think that love is important, and that's that's what it is, mm-hmm. right? Where mine came from is um, it's a the seed was planted when I was a child mm-hmm. when I was probably I was probably nine and I was having an asthma attack and my stepdad um, came into the room and I couldn't breathe and it was scary mm. and he left the lights off and he talked to me calmly and he laid his hands over top of my chest mm-hmm. not on but just over top of mm-hmm. and um manipulated the energy mm-hmm. so sort of like psychic surgery or something mm-hmm. like that and <clears throat> that w- and i calmed down and stuff and you could easily explain that i calmed down just because it was relaxing and i wasn't stressed out mm-hmm. and there was comfort in it which is probably all true mm-hmm. Um, but there was some, that's where this seed got planted. And throughout my life, I've had little tastes of energy mm-hmm. and connectedness. Mm-hmm. And my whole life, who I thought I was, who I was going to be, what had happened to me in my life, all got torn wide open when my first wife left. Mm-hmm. I just, I need to reassess the things that are going on in my life. Mm-hmm. I was a man who was very angry with a lot of things mm-hmm. without getting too deep into that, mostly because it could probably be another episode that we could use. Mm-hmm. But um, actually to go before that, in my 20s when I was living alone, I first started smoking marijuana when I was 24. Mm-hmm. And I started going for walks at night. Mm-hmm. And the most exciting and interesting part of it is the connectedness I felt with with all the stuff. Mm-hmm. Everything. Mm-hmm. And it, it was profound, um, but it didn't really change much. It was just, it was a really enjoyable feeling. And I've always had... An intuition with people. I can read people very quickly. And even with people that I'm not around, I can sense how they're feeling. But just talking to them with one word sometimes, or sometimes not at all, no words at all. There are times when I've reached out to people. I'm like, how are you doing? Like, I have the sense that you're not doing great mm-hmm. and they're like how the fuck did you know that so during my therapy I was doing a lot of exploring of myself and I <coughs> but a big part of it was the loss of my wife yeah and my wife had picked up and moved to the United States and I believed that I could sense her. I could sense her difficulties. I could sense <coughs> her her stress, her dissatisfaction, but also her joy. 
And I started to pay attention to that. And I, I attempted to communicate with her, just thinking about her, just playing with this idea. Mm-hmm. Playing with the idea that we are all connected. And it stems from the fact that we're all stardust. We're all the same shit. Mm-hmm. So with that, we are all the same. Mm-hmm. But it's not just people. It's all the things. Mm-hmm. Everything that we've created, mm-hmm. everything that we stand on, is all of the same. And there is a psychic connection between mm-hmm. them. So with people, it's certainly stronger because there's uh, emotional ties to people that you have. Mm-hmm. So I believe, or I started to believe, is that when you have a relationship with somebody, the more profound that relationship is in regards to love or the opposite of love, Mm -hmm. the strong emotional connection, that it remains. And you are now, even though we're all bound together, it's the same idea as neurons. Mm-hmm. The more you use it, the thicker that connection gets. Mm-hmm. And this connection that you have with people has, as you could probably imagine, just based on what I'm talking about, isn't limited by physical distance. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started to really focus on my feelings for people and their feelings towards me. And going through this therapy and accepting who I was and recognizing the world uh, can and does have love and that it is important. It just became a, a really strong thing that just exists with everybody I know and who knows me and who knows each other. And it doesn't change. It doesn't have... There's no... It doesn't change how you live. It doesn't change what you do. It doesn't, there are no, it just, it's, it's, it's in my brain a fact mm-hmm. that we're just all connected. Mm-hmm. So while we're all connected, hurting you, hurting the earth is hurting me. Right. Um, and that's just, why would you do that? Now, again, I do it all the time. I hurt people. I get hurt. You know, it you just do right. But Deep again, down, it's not. No. A, but yeah, again, it's not a statement of you should treat people well. Mm-hmm. It's just it. This is what happens. Mm-hmm. Like you're all, all connected, and I, uh, I still believe that I can. There are people that are significant parts of my life that I can still sense. Mm-hmm. Like right now, I can feel them in the universe. Mm-hmm. Just interesting. Just being. And have you tested to see whether those feelings I, are accurate? I have. With, sensations with, reflect reality? With one, with a friend of mine mm-hmm. who I, I talked to about this and he, he was uh, very interested. Um, he, a native guy, mm-hmm. and he was like, I buy what you're selling, dude. Yeah. Because no this shit. is what's up. Because that's what they believe. Because this is what's up. They believe in that connectedness between everything. They do. And I had, and I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Not really. Like you just, 
you hear that they believe in the fucking tree spirits and okay whatever. Yeah. But anyway, I we tested it um, where we had decided, and he lives in Las Vegas, and that whenever I thought about him, I would recognize that thought and how he felt, and I would phone him immediately and ask him. Really. And he would do the same to me. Hmm. And the level of accuracy was was significant. Was it right all the time? Mm-hmm. Of course not, because you start to uh, make it up to, mm-hmm. right? You're mm-hmm. like, oh, he's feeling sad. Let's see if he feels sad, right? Or whatever it is. But it was it was eerie how often he was like, yeah, that's I am having a fight with my wife. Like, how the fuck am I supposed to know he's really angry right now? But anyway, so I've only tested it with one other person because everybody else looks at me like I'm fucking stardust brains. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, it's... Uh... See, this is the, one of the things that really intrigues me is that I think I do believe in that there is an invisible force that... That binds us. I'm going to start sounding like a fucking Jedi. No, but seriously, I do believe that there's more going on in the universe than the human brain can fathom at this point. And what's really interesting is that there are spiritual phenomenon that have been insisted by sage people that rational, non-spiritual people have gone, nah, that's not, no, that's not a thing. That's not how the universe works. And then funny enough, decades later, after physicists start to probe deeper and deeper and deeper into matter and then subatomic matter and then quantum physics that all of a sudden the weirdest fucking shit starts happening like spooky action at a distance. I don't know if you know anything about that phenomenon, but it's a thing. And that thing suggests that the attributes of one atom can also be happening simultaneously with another atom feet away, miles away, continents away. They've proven it with experimentation, but they can't explain it. They can't explain it. They don't understand what the ramifications of that discovery are. And I find it funny because every time I read about a new discovery in quantum physics, I go, boy, I'll tell you, if that doesn't sound exactly like what spiritual people have been describing they've been experiencing their entire lives, you know, much to the disbelief of everyone around them. Mm-hmm. It's it's that, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I I totally get that there's a lot more going on than we give credit for. Eventually, I think we're going to figure it out. Um, but the the problem is is that. This, the, the spiritualists and this, this, the people who, um, who uh, have a closeness or a connection to some kind of spirituality where they experience energy and 
uh, have ex have uh, experienced healing energy and uh, energy uh, and thoughts and communication across a distance and an interconnectedness between people and things that doesn't seem possible according to physics and according to science but it turns out that actually yeah it, it, it actually does it actually does and it's probably related to just what you said the fact that we are all made of the same stuff and we just haven't figured that out yet that because we are made of the same stuff we're just we're just stardust we're self-realized mm -hmm. which is the weirdest fucking thing right matter knows of itself and can think about other matter what like just that idea right is enough to make a person go jesus i never even thought about it like that <laughs> but yet that's what we are right we are stardust made cognizant of itself and its place but just at the very very beginning of understanding of it yep totally at the beginning of the understanding of it we probably have no idea just how significant those connections and that energy and that inter interdependence right. is something i always something about it was is interesting to me and i don't know if it's fed uh or has been fed by uh, like uh, my other experiences with religion mm. is just i don't need anybody else to believe me i don't need anybody right. else to join me right and i don't even need it to be true because right. it's true right and it's it's, it's a wild experience for you. yeah it's true enough and that's all that matters yeah it's true enough when you get right down to it oh i don't know I don't fucking care. Like, it doesn't matter mm -hmm. if it's an, oh, I don't know, or that doesn't make sense. I don't give a fuck. Mm -hmm. It feels really good. Yeah, it's not like it's a, yeah, it's not like there are these rules that, like, fucking make me do things or not do things. It just, I'm just connected with shit. How does knowing what you know affect how you live your life? How is it, it different than had you n not experienced or known these things? I express my love and appreciation to people more frequently. Right. Because you understand the importance of the connection. Yeah. yeah. I live more from an emotional response perspective. I m respond more with my gut. Mm -hmm. Sort of as what you were talking mm -hmm. about before. Mm -hmm. It's all by... You follow your intuition. Yeah. 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 Especially in relation to feelings of people. Because it's just so strong. That feels weird. It is weird. Mm -hmm. That feels good. It is good. Yeah. Yeah. I let people know that I'm thinking about them. That's probably the, probably the biggest or maybe even only real big, only real change to how I've lived my life. Mm -hmm. And even, and I... It's why I like the 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 belief system, the thought structure, whatever the hell you mm -hmm. want to call it, mm -hmm. is that even if it's all absolute total bullshit, even if it's just 
when it comes down to it and I send a message to somebody that I haven't talked to in two years and be like, I'm thinking about you and I mm-hmm. hope that you are well. Mm-hmm. Well, what the fuck else can you want in life? Oh, I know. Because I know if that ever happened to me, which it doesn't, <laughs> is that uh, I would be very appreciative and happy. Mm-hmm. And it feels good. So. I think there would probably be more of that in the world, except that um, there are probably people who want to make more connections with the people that they know and are maybe afraid to because, you know, how does the, <clears throat> how does the average person react to someone who they haven't talked to in years? You know, how do they react to that person suddenly out of the blue contacting them and saying, hey, hey, what's going on? Oh, I, you know, I was just sitting here thinking about you. And then all of a sudden, the wheels start turning. Why were they thinking about me? Right. And they start making it into something that it's not. Right. Of course they do. But that is not my responsibility. True enough. Right. And, uh, and... And I think about that. Mm-hmm. I, I had to be mindful of how other people would take would that information. Yeah. But it doesn't matter. Right. Because where it comes from is honest. Mm-hmm. And it's true and it is from a place of love. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you can take that information and just be all fucked up about it. Right. And, that, and that's you and that's your journey. Mm-hmm. And I think more people don't do it because it puts you in a state of being vulnerable. And no... So few people like being vulnerable because it does make you vulnerable is telling someone that you are thinking about them and you care about them. It's, it's absolutely the greatest position to be rejected. Right. And I have been, but it doesn't matter. I still was. Yeah. Interesting. But yeah. Are you the kind of person that uh, believes there's a reason for everything that happens? Yeah. Yeah. And it's not fate or whatever. It's simply because it couldn't have happened any other way. Things happen because that's how they happened. Mm -hmm. Is it predestined? I don't know. But things have happened and will happen simply because there's no other way for it to have happened. Yeah. But I mean, you know, we do have free will to make different decisions than the ones we do. Sure. And that's always been the most interesting topic for me because it's like, okay, so what would have happened had I not made that decision? Yeah, and I let that shit go. Right. That stopped for me. Right. Because the word oh, should... And trust me, I don't yeah. dwell on it. Yeah, I'm I just curious sometimes. Right. About how a difference in decision might have changed the course of my life. Do you know how long... When I do it now, it's like when I hurt my foot. Right. The last weekend. Right. Is what would have happened had I had my shoe on properly. Right. That's it. Yeah. Not... Because I have learned to like who I am. Mm Mm-hmm. And I can only be who I am right now because of the things that have happened in the way that they have happened. Right. Couldn't have happened any other way. True. So. You are who you are because of what you've done. Right. Yeah. And the thought experiment, the only level of thought experiment is, is I wish I would have bought Bitcoin. 
<laughs> right? But not like, um, what would have it been like had I not done something with my wife right. nine years ago? Because I used to. I used to be obsessed with the with the choices because yeah. I had a really hard time making decisions. I was, I was mm. terrified of making decisions. Hmm. What changed? Confidence and recognize confidence yeah. is it. Yeah. But where that confidence came from is recognizing the responsibility of how I feel. I am responsible for everything that I feel. My response to everything that happens to me mm-hmm. is my choice. Mm-hmm. Happiness, sadness, anger, mm-hmm. whatever is my choice. Mm-hmm. And with that came just the confidence of do or do not. Right, it's just the decision is going to be made, and the things are going to happen, and then you just deal with the outcome. Confidence breeds unto itself. Oh yeah. The more you have, the better you feel. The more you trust your gut, the more you go with the flow. The more you feel like you're on the right path, and you have a tendency of following that intuition more when you have high confidence. Yep. Which is the oddest thing because when you have it, you're not even realizing the wave that you're riding. When you start losing it, you feel like that you've crested now and you're falling to the next level down. And it's like, oh my God, oh my God. And then, you know, <laughs> and it's like a spiral downwards until you find that little grain of confidence again and it builds you back up again. It's a powerful characteristic of the human mind. Right. Of the human psyche. Agreed. Well, that was an episode. Mm-hmm. Stay tuned next time <laughs> when we discuss... <laughs> Um, have you heard of the band Standards? No, I don't think so. Fucking check it out. Okay. New, old. They're new-ish, yeah. yeah. Standards. Standards. What genre would you pick? That noise I just made is this isn't. Just check it out. Hmm. It's a wild run. Hmm. Let me turn off the podcast. Let me turn off the podcast. <laughs> It's just like...